It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. This is the third and final week of our series, Reasons for the Season. And uh, the first week we started by kind of dropping this idea that, you know, we riff on as Christians, churchgoers, Jesus followers, make sure everyone understands Jesus is the reason for the season, not Santa and everything else that's laid on. And uh, whilst I don't disagree with that, um, I've been making the point that that's one side of the coin. And then on the other side of the coin, this idea that we're the reason for the season, that, that if our lives weren't messy, if our world wasn't messy, Jesus would never have needed to abandon heaven and insert himself into the narrative and save us. And so we kind of triggered the idea of the first Christmas of God sending his son in human form. And this idea that we are to be a blessing to the whole world, that not only does Jesus save us from God's judgment, He also wants to restore us and send us into our world to be a blessing. We talk about Jesus being a blessing to the whole world. Well, we're the body of Christ and He gives us the opportunity and the instruction that we are to be a blessing to the whole world. Now, last week we talked about God or Jesus came to show us what God is like. You know, before Jesus, everyone had snippets or we even used the word shadows, had like little pictures, but not enough clarity and a lot of the assumptions about who God is and what He's like and who He likes was, was a lot of guesswork. And then Jesus came in to show us the clearest picture to date of what God is actually like. So if you missed either of those, you can go to our podcast, Elevate Church Perth, take us for a walk when you're going on your Boxing Day 25K post-Christmas Armageddon lunch, dinner, extravaganza, um, and you can uh, catch up on those. Now, probably most of you know that in the Northern Hemisphere or in certain countries in the Northern Hemisphere, there's this whole thing about ugly Christmas sweaters, right? Here in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly here in Perth, we don't tend to do the ugliest, ugly Christmas sweaters simply because sometimes on Christmas Day, it's as hot as the surface on the sun. So no one's thinking, ooh, this is great. This is sweater weather. No, just be glad I've got a shirt on of any description. So whilst we don't do ugly Christmas sweaters, chances are you know, and I, and, and I certainly know, that some aspects of Christmas in our world can get ugly. Anyone notice traffic is a bit ugly at the moment? Uh, shopping can get ugly. If you think, well, I'm just going to avoid the crowds and I'm just going to have everyone's gift Amazon primed. Well, even online shopping can get ugly. Is the item in stock? Is it going to be delivered on time? And if it's delivered on time, are the porch pirates going to get to my front porch before I get home from work? These are all very real possibilities, people. Finances can get ugly, you know, like gift list goes up, bank balance comes down, you know the drill. Uh, so to remind you, but sometimes family can get ugly. Now, if that's your typical experience, I'm gonna borrow 
something in the spirit of Fight Club and uh, give you first rule of family gatherings. Always bring your own vehicle so you can leave when you want. And yes, I can speak from personal experience. This is a pro move right here. Um, emotionally, Christmas can get ugly. And, and, and I know for some people, and I know even for some people here this morning, you're going to be gathering around a table where a loved one was last year and they're not here this year. So paraphrasing Charles Dickens, Christmas can be the best of times and can be the worst of times. And this idea of aspects of Christmas getting ugly stands in direct contrast to a Christmas carol that you know. It's a Christmas carol called Silent Night. And let me not sing it for you. Let me simply spoken word the first line of this Christmas carol. And you can play it out in your head. Silent night, holy night, all is calm. All is bright. That's the declaration by the songwriter of the first Christmas night. All is calm. All is bright. Just ponder for a moment. Is that your experience? Is that what you're expecting your experience to be this year? Well, it's an understatement to say that the run-up to the first Christmas, when this kind of, you know, this song talks about the first Christmas night, the run-up to the first Christmas night was anything but calm. And for the protagonists was anything but bright. So if you've got your smartphone camera, how about you scan this flow code? It's going to take you to Matthew chapter 1. Now, in a moment, we're going to skip over to Luke's account of Jesus' life and ministry. This is Matthew. Matthew was one of the four biographers. Luke is another biographer. Luke kind of tells the run-up to Christmas from Mary's point of view. We'll come to that. Uh, Matthew focuses on the first Christmas from Joseph's point of view. Mary's not yet husband. And spoiler, that for Joseph, from his point of view, the run-up to the first Christmas night was ugly and it was complicated. And one of the problems that we have in our own experience now is this Christmas story, especially if you've been a church person for a while, it's kind of so well trodden that we've kind of, we've kind of shaved off all the rough edges. And, and we too easily have the hallmark version of Christmas, this idealised picture. If you don't believe me, this is Mary, front and centre. She's hours removed from giving birth to a baby. Now, I'm no doctor, I'm no OBGYN, but I'm telling you, not only is she hours removed from giving birth to a baby, she gave birth to the baby in a very non-sterile environment. And you gotta look at her and I'm just gonna say it, you're thinking it, she looks pretty good. This is not an accurate picture of the first Christmas night or the run-up to the first Christmas night. Joseph in the run-up was facing ugliness and complication. And it started with this girl that he was engaged to be married to, named Mary, just rocking up to Joseph one day and saying, guess what, honey? 
I'm pregnant. And Joseph, he knew that they had not had conjugal relations up to that point. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, because I haven't been with anyone else either. And Joseph's like, sweetheart, I ain't buying it. I paid attention in biology class. I know how babies are made. There was somebody. Okay, yes, yes, honey, there was somebody. No need to panic because this is God's baby. Not helpful, Mary, not helpful. Not only am I not buying it, but nobody in our sphere is gonna be buying that. I can assure you. So Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He wanted out in the run-up to the first Christmas. Now in that society, marriage was like a hair's breadth away, sorry, engagement was like a hair's breadth away from marriage. Like if you're engaged, you're gonna get married. Just, just need a little bit of time to organise everything. Whereas in many cultures today, engagements, it's like, it's like a trial period. It's like a consideration period. It's like a cooling off period. You know, you can drive the car for three months. You don't have to decide whether you're gonna buy it yet. But, and you can just back out, no problem. In fact, I recently heard a story, a guy telling the story about his wedding day. And he was saying, you know, the, the stuff you'd expect. He was at the front of the church. He's dressed up, you know, with, with all the, the gear. He's got his groomsmen next to him, waiting for his bride to emerge at the back of the church and walk down the aisle. She was going to be walked down the aisle by her father. Pretty traditional stuff. He's excited. Can't wait to see her. Turns out that the father of the bride, before they entered, or just as they entered the foyer, but weren't yet visible to the people in the church. Church is full, of course, as you'd expect. Everyone's dressed up. People have bought presents. People have travelled to be there. Dad turns to daughter and says, Honey, if you're having second thoughts, it's not too late, you know. We can just turn around and back out and get back in the car and pretend like none of this ever happened. Well, she chose not to take that option. Uh, and actually the now husband, he only found out that story happened 24 years later. But Joseph was looking for an out because this was getting way too ugly and way too complicated. And in a kind of, Back to front way, I wonder if, if your experience or if you're sort of anticipating and bracing for your experience in the run up to Christmas, being a bit ugly and a bit complicated, uh, I, I, maybe consider taking some encouragement <laughs> from Joseph's predicament. It's, you're not the first. And uh, well, as you'll see, Joseph got through it. Anyway. The baby's been delivered. It's now that first Christmas night that the carol talks about. All was calm, all was bright. Turns out all was not calm. At least for a group of three 
shepherds, nearby shepherds. They're just doing shepherd things. It's nighttime, they're keeping the sheep safe. That's the job description. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. Yeah, this was not an every night regular occurrence. And actually this whole concept of being terrified, to me, this is like ugly and complicated plus. That not only for maybe some of you, you're like, okay, yeah, it's Christmas again. I've avoided some of these people and some of these issues for 12 months since the last Christmas. I know it's gonna happen because it's happened every year before that and it's gonna happen again and I'll just get through it and Boxing Day can't come soon enough. And, and, and that's okay, you know. But, but for some people going into Christmas, you're a little terrified. You're a little terrified because of some of the reasons I mentioned earlier. Maybe emotionally, you're bracing for this to be an incredibly difficult Christmas. Maybe financially, you're bracing yourself for this to be an incredibly challenging Christmas. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then the angel immediately said, I, I'm announcing the birth of a Saviour. This birth of a Saviour is good news that will bring great joy to all people. A gift that God sent into the world that if you take a hold of that gift, it's a game changer. It's good news. It will bring you great joy. And that was true 2,000 years ago. And then every Christmas that we celebrate is an opportunity to remember that that same declaration is true for you and it's true for me. That we're reminded that God sent His Son into the world as a Saviour. And that if we take a hold of that gift, it's good news and it'll bring great joy to all people. That says that one is to, is to take hold and open the gift. You know, you can walk past the tree a thousand times and there might be the thing that you've been praying for and writing letters to Santa for and doing all the things you do, sitting there under the tree, gift wrapped with your name on it. It would be so crazy on the Christmas day or some of you, like my father used to be, like to open Christmas presents Christmas Eve because he couldn't wait, couldn't sleep. Uh, to not take it and, and, and take a hold of it and unwrap it and open it and actually put it to the use for which it was intended. That's exactly the same about Jesus. Just the fact that He was sent into the world is not enough for that to be good news and bring great joy to all people. It actually requires us to take a hold of that gift and then to put that relationship into play, into practice. And unlike the gifts from Santa, which from what I've read are entirely contingent on whether you've been bad or good, 
This is a gift that God sent into the world that has absolutely no bearing on our performance. So you think about the shepherds, they're just doing shepherd things. They didn't earn this visit. They didn't earn this opportunity to be the ones that, that the announcement was first proclaimed to. It was a gift to them about the gift. It's actually not about how bad or good we are. It's all about how good God is, that He moved first, that He sent His Son, even when we didn't deserve it. But it requires us to open the gift. And when the angel uses this word saviour, he's, he's very clearly pointing to the reality that you and I needed saving. That there's some things that we've thought, done, said in our past that have caused us to be separated from God. And we couldn't bridge that gap. We, we, there's, nothing, there's no amount of good things to, to sort of balance the scales back in our favour. It just it would literally be impossible. We needed help. Because you know the reality, there's no perfect people except on their resumes. We all need rescuing. We all need a Saviour. And Christmas is a reminder that what God did in the past is more important than what you and I did in the past. So we have to open the gift. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, early church leader, wrote a bunch of letters, didn't pull punches. This is an example of, of what he wrote to remind them, for everyone has sinned. Oops. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. That word grace is a churchy word talking about this gift that's given to us even though we didn't earn it and even though we didn't deserve it. God sent His Son. It's a free gift and it's a good gift. You ever received crummy gifts? Just don't point to anyone who might have given them to you. But you know what I'm talking about. Oh, another tie. I don't even wear ties. Oh, socks and undies. Great, fantastic. Visit my mum recently and uh, she's, she started reminding me. Well, it didn't remind me. I couldn't remember. But apparently, uh, sorry, sorry. Allegedly, when I was three years old for Christmas, my mum had knitted me a cardigan and that was going to be one of my Christmas presents. So I opened it this gift, and I discovered a hand-knitted cardigan, knitted by my mom. The problem was that the cardigan was brown. And I didn't do brown. I'm th even when I was three, I knew that I did not do brown. I got these baby blue eyes. I do blue. I don't do brown. I ain't going to brown town for nobody. So I, allegedly, I grabbed said brown cardigan. Sorry, I didn't grab said brown cardigan. My mother grabbed said brown cardigan, put it on me and did the mum thing. Oh, that looks beautiful. That looks amazing. Oh, you look so good. And I pretended I needed to go to the toilet and I walked to the toilet and I took off said brown cardigan and I walked out of the toilet, brown cardiganless, and I refused to wear it ever again. Now, just so you know, 
my sweet, dear, 83-year-old mother told me that story and was laughing the whole time. Okay, no need to pray for her or me. <laughs> but God's gift of Jesus is a gift that we want. There's, there's no downsides. There's no reason to not take a hold of it. And when we talk about taking a hold of this gift of Jesus and being saved, we talk about that actually setting us up for eternal life. And one of the things we, we, we readily equate eternal life with is length of life, you know, to infinity and beyond kind of idea. But Jesus, when He talked about eternal life, He talked about quantity and He talked about quality. That not only will we, when we take a hold of the gift of Jesus, to save us, to restore our relationship with God. Not only will we literally never die, our bodies will, but our spirits won't. We also have the opportunity to experience life and life in all its fullness in relationship with Jesus while we're here on this earth. A quality of life that's filled with God's goodness. A quality of life that's overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Anyone know the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, and probably one I, I forgot. Who? Faithfulness. Probably. So how do you receive this gift? Well, Paul again gives us the pro tip. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, not a fairy tale, you will be saved. Now, I did this when I was in my early 20s. And I'm telling you this, I'm no longer in my early 20s. Shocking, I know. It was the greatest decision that I've ever made. It was the greatest gift I ever took a hold of. And it changed everything and continues to change everything about my life even today. Greatest gift ever. And so then it's incumbent on us to celebrate the gift. Unlike my brown cardigan. <laughs> now, when it comes to text messages, uh, some of you know this because we text. I'm a pretty big emoji guy. If I text you, there's a much, much, much higher than 50% chance it's going to include an emoji. And if you text me, it's probably north of 90% chance that you're going to get an emoji somewhere in my reply. Big emoji guy. Did a bit of research on uh, what the most popular emojis that people send globally are. So I want you to think of what you, just ponder for a moment, what you think is the number one. Just think about it for a minute and I'm going to count to three and I want you to yell out your best guess. One, two, three. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, I didn't get what anyone said, but I think some of you were correct. All right, here's number three. Who said, who thought number one? Okay, no? Well, okay, but it's number three. This one, as you can imagine, is called face with heart-shaped eyes. And you send this when you say, oh, you know, I love this face with heart-shaped eyes. I love you face with heart-shaped eyes. Very early in the relationship, I love you, lots of faces with heart-shaped eyes. So that's number three. Then number two is this one, gushing, crying face. And as best as I can hypothesize, this one grows in popularity when number three doesn't work out so well. 
And this becomes, this becomes the emoji you start sending to the person that you used to send number three to. And drum roll, please. Number one, face with tears of joy. Who gets face with tears of joy? All right, good, good, good. Now, I'm greatly encouraged that the number one sent emoji globally is face with tears of joy. Not desperation, not all is hopeless, not all is lost, that people seemingly somehow are experiencing joy on the regular. So I wanna encourage you to allow God, even regardless of the fact that you might be experiencing some ugly and complicated circumstances, to actually bring out some joy in your experience this Christmas. But it, but it needs to be conscious. And that's why I said just a moment ago, we have to celebrate the gift. Last Sunday, we gathered our team leaders together and we started planning and casting vision for 2024. But before we did that, I said, okay, let's just kind of go around the table before we start talking about 2024 and give me something, share something that you're grateful for from 2023. Because it's just easy to blow past. Oh, it's easy to blow past. The, the idea, the notion, the practice of consciously pausing and recalling and celebrating something good that God has done or is doing will, I promise you, bring you greater joy because what you celebrate tends to be what replicates from the inside out. Doesn't mean Christmas is, is gonna magically remove the ugly. Take your own transport, like I said. But it, it also is a reminder that we're not confined to our circumstances as being the source of our joy. That God sent Jesus into the world and that's good news that will bring great joy to all people. And it's actually that clarity that will cause us on the inside to experience a Christmas that's more likely to be all is calm all is bright, even in the midst of ugliness and complication. We celebrate because God is with us and made this possible. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.